Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Hey, we're live, but we do have to let the screen breathe just for a second. Make sure we have Facebook on here with us. And we are good. Five beautiful green check marks. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. And Zach, you know, the final score makes it look like it was a game, but uh, this was never in question. Like, this game was never in doubt. The Falcons jumped out really early uh, offensively and just took it to this depleted defense. And Drew Locke and, and Pat Shermer just didn't have any answers till the fourth quarter. Only this time, there was just not enough sand left in that uh, hourglass to, you know, close the gap. Yeah, you can't expect to continue, you know, building yourself into massive deficits and then coming back in the fourth quarter. It worked last week against a collapsing Chargers team, and the Falcons are known for collapsing, but Matt Ryan was just too good today. The Broncos' defense was just too susceptible today, and the offense, like usual, took too long to get going. You cannot wait until the fourth quarter, and again, it falls on the coaching. Where was this style of play? Drew Locke is a second-half quarterback. I understand that, but where is the style of play in quarters one through three? Up-tempo, fast, high-percentage completions, getting Drew Locke in the rhythm, letting him use his legs, play action. It seems like they wait until they're out of a game to start employing that strategy, Chad. And today, it was too little too late, and it was very disheartening to see the final result. Like you mentioned, the game looked close in the box score, but anyone who watched this knows it wasn't even close for the majority. What's crazy, if you think about it, is how well the Falcons had this game in hand throughout. But this actually could have ended up very similarly to the Chargers game for the Broncos if Locke doesn't throw that pick. If the pick doesn't happen, the, the, the Falcons don't get that additional touchdown. And this game probably ends up getting tied and coming down to a field goal at the end from one of these two teams, and we'd be singing a different song. And so as much as on one hand, Zach, you want to say, hey, look, all right, he, he sucked it up. or was I shouldn't say sucked it up. Locke didn't suck for three quarters like he did against the Chargers. No. But he just wasn't Chargers. good for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, he finally turns it on and just comes up short. Yeah, he did turn it on. Zach threw two touchdowns, ran for one. But he threw that pick, and that cost them basically their actual shot at yeah. coming back. 
Yeah, and it's 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 on the coaching for waiting to me for waiting to get Locke going to to waiting for him to warm up and getting him into a rhythm. And he wasn't good, Chad. Um, his footwork, his erratic passes, him bailing in the pocket, drifting back off his back foot—that's all on Drew Locke. But you wonder what exactly are the coaches? And I tweeted this after the intentional grounding when he it was just no contest. What are the coaches whispering in this man's ear Monday through Saturday that he regresses almost on a snap by snap basis? He takes one step forward and three steps back. And it's like you look at the guys in charge of his handling. He has two quarterback gurus at his disposal and he's making rookie and less than rookie mistakes. And it's for the most part on him, but the play calling and the situational management, again, leaves a lot to be desired. I, for one, Chad, would love to see Drew Locke with a coordinator that wasn't Scangarello and wasn't Pat Shermer. I think they're not doing him a, a, a service by having Pat Shermer, of all people, be the one with the keys to the Drew Locke car. Yeah, it's just been – it's just – I get it that a young quarterback – is inconsistent in terms of not just his reads and, and pre-snap stuff and protection calls, but his actual play on the field is inconsistent, which which makes it a lot harder for a coordinator and a play caller to be consistent. But at the same time, Shermer has just been too disjointed. Like this is what, Zach, this is week six, week seven, week eight, week nine. So this is four, this is a full quarter of the season now, uninterrupted, that Shermer has had with Drew Locke. And the results are you know, I wouldn't say they've been horrible. They're not terrible. They're not bad. They're just not what you would hope to see. I mean, with Drew Locke and Pat Shermer on the field together, the Broncos are now two and two, two and don't not counting week two. Yeah. Two and three, right. Two and three with, with that combo together. And it's a classic case up to this point of one step forward, two steps back. I mean, you see the step forward in the fourth quarter last week, and then two steps back to open up the Falcons game, digging yourself a hole that is just, you know, it's like Rich Gannon said multiple times early on in this game as the color guy, you cannot expect to overcome 21-point deficits on a week-in, a week-out basis and and expect to be a viable competitive team. And it was interesting, Zach, because on Saturday, Thomas Hall of Mile High Huddle published an article. He ran some numbers digging into the 0-3 teams in NFL history who have made the playoffs, the teams that start 0-3 that go on to make the playoffs, and what the numbers showed is that the teams that were able to get to, to 500, I want to say it was before week 10, um, had were the teams that ended up actually you know, being able to get there. And in, in Denver's case, losing this game makes it a lot more, lot more difficult to, to be one of those teams that beats the odds and manages to kind of steal into the playoffs. However, and so maybe playoffs, it just needs to be put on the shelf and out of, out of sight, out of mind. That's just not how Broncos country rolls. Broncos country expects and demands playoffs until it becomes a mathematical impossibility. But Zach, it's just, it's a young team, man. It's going to continue to take time. And these, these coaches, what you would hope to see is better coaching amid, you know, body dropping after body dropping on the injury front. You would still hope to see better, better coaching. Well, I mean, I don't look at any one stat, and I don't think wins are necessarily the end-all, be-all when judging a player, but you look at, you, you named Locke and Pat Shermer's record, then how about Scangarello and Locke? They went 4-1 and one last year, 
And listen, a lot of guys did not want to admit this. I was the first one to say when they fired Skens and, and hired Pat Shermer, they made a mistake there. You saw more creativity with Locke and Scangarello. You saw more of an offense that had cohesion. And I know they had uh, they weren't as bad with the injuries. They had a full offseason. They had Cortland Sutton. But it doesn't excuse the play calling. that We mentioned on the halftime stream the, the, the short play, the run that Pat Shermer called, Chad. I forget exactly what it was. What I was going to say to you was we saw it in week one with the fourth and one tight end shovel. So the play calling is suspect. The development of Drew Locke is suspect. He hasn't been brought along to where he should be by now. It's not week two, week three anymore. He's healed from the injury. He's gotten some wins under his belt now, and he goes right back into the shell where he started last week. He should have been continuing from that fourth quarter, not starting all over. And that I don't put on the quarterback, a young quarterback. I put that on the coaching. Again, you wonder, what are these guys telling him Monday through Saturday that's not translating on Sundays? We have a super chat that came in here that I want to bring up, and then we got some matters of business we got to get to. But this is worth mentioning really quick here from Tom. And the stream is just really, really hot and heavy. So I imagine I'm going to be doing this quite a bit tonight, uh, installing these in uh, the old-fashioned way. But this is Tom El Greco up there north of the 49th parallel. Appreciate the super chat. And, and very true. Is, he says very you can't point. blame Locke. The O-line was terrible, guys. The O-line was terrible. And what's crazy about this, Zach, is, you know, again, football is the ultimate team sport. When you fail, it's usually because a lot of guys failed. When you lose, I should say, it's because a lot of guys failed to step up in this case, yeah, you can say you know more than one thing could be true at the same time. Shermer was lackluster. Locke could have played a heck of a lot better. And the offensive line on both as pass pro and uh, in opening up lanes on the ground were horrendous. I mean, this is a Falcons team that came into this, I want to say, I know for a fact, uh, bottom 10 in terms of sacks. And then they were missing their two top edge rushers were out of this game, Zach. It's like they can't win for losing the Denver Broncos. It's because their coordinator doesn't have a game plan to attack an opponent's weaknesses or maximize strengths. It doesn't seem like he goes into any game with any sort of plan. He just wings it, and it's the most uncreative, unimaginative uh, play calling and, and game plans. And I understand there's a thousand different types of ice creams, Chad, but the Broncos insist on vanilla. And it's like we've had enough of that already. Show, show Open up the offense. Take a, ch- a chance. What do you have to lose? If you take a bomb down the field and it gets picked off, it's like a punt anyway. But I'd rather that when you need third and 15, they throw for five. You need, you need 10, they throw for three. You need 12, they throw for four. What are you ever going to accomplish like that? It's scared, conservative play calling. You're never going to win. Open up the offense. And when they finally do in the fourth quarters, look what happens. So I can't blame Locke for that. He is being fed the plays. He is taking his marching orders. What he does between the snaps is on him. But the overall execution, I think the game plan and the whole design of the offense, he cannot be held accountable for. And this ties into Jason's super chat. Thank you, Jason. He says the O line equals a hot mess. Locks, uh, in uh, excuse me, Locks' ability to scramble avoided a lot of sacks. He also scrambled way, didn't trust his O line enough early on, especially. Um, but his ability to scramble avoided a lot of sacks. Slow starts offensively are killing us. Why can't we open it up and play loose all game? And it's that's the million dollar question, Jason. And you know, Zach and I wish we had the answer for you. If there was a team that was rife for opportunity for the Broncos to kind of, I wouldn't call it a get right game, but like to kind of just be yourselves, get out there, play loose. You're coming off a big come from behind win, you know, kind of feeling like you're playing with house money. You would think that this would have been the game, but the Falcons, man, uh, Matt Ryan, especially took care of his business. Like he exploited the holes that needed to be exploited for his side of things. And Zach, I want to get to more of this, but we got to take care really quick. We're running a little bit long here.
Uh, but first, we do have to take care of a couple of quick matters of business. I want to draw your attention, gang, to sponsor of tonight's podcast. The support of the Huddle Up podcast comes to you courtesy of Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped, as you can see here with the Lawnmower 3.0, offers the precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And uh, listen, guys, you want to keep things tight, right? You want to keep things groomed. You want to you want to be on top of that. In the case of Manscaped, you gotta you gotta jump on this lawnmower 3.0. Prevents it presents the opportunity for you to have the perfect package. That. Yeah, guys, listen, win or lose, I know every Broncos fan right now is kind of bummed about the game and everything, but win or lose, grooming, at least for men's care, is important. And I know it's taboo, not something we generally talk about. It's more of a of a female thing to discuss openly, but we all do it. We all need it. And with the Manscaped lawnmower, Chad, I mean, it has a light. It's good battery power. It recharges fast. I know there's no nicks. There's no bruises. There's no cuts. There's no abrasions. I know firsthand I've battled with that in the past. You leave little bump marks and 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 it's not you don't want that there chat it's if any place on your body you don't want it right there but i can honestly say no bs with this lawnmower there's never any problem it's smooth it's painless and it makes a tough loss like today that much better undoubtedly undoubtedly and as you can see i'm going to turn it on just real quick you can see that light which can be very very helpful for those for those of us that uh you know you're trying to crane your neck your weird angles every guy has kind of a different uh, mo when it comes to <laughs> Uh, manscaping. But listen, the revolutionary Manscaped uh, product, the Lawnmower 3.0, they've redesigned the electric uh, trimmer. It has proprietary advanced skin safe. This is crucial technology. So this trimmer cuts, uh, you know, it, it saves the cuts on, on the most tender spots, right, that you, you want to avoid. It comes inside the brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. So this is for the dudes. This is for the the Women out there in Broncos country that are looking for a good gift for their boyfriend, for their husband, for their son. It's a good option. And you don't want to use the same trimmer, dudes, just FYI, for your face that you're using below the belt. That's just nasty. This also includes the uh, crop preserver and anti-chafing uh, deodorant moisturizer. You can see here behind me. I'll, I'll pull it up just for a second. A lot of different options to keep things tight for for uh, and well-groomed for the dudes out there in Broncos country. So right now, all right? If you go to manscaped.com, you use the code HUDDLE, you get 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com with the code HUDDLE, and your family jewels will thank you, Zach. Yes, Broncos country. Just like Chad said, get 20% off right now and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping, guys. Free shipping at manscaped.com. Remember to use the code HUDDLE. Clean up your family jewels and make Santa proud this year. All right, guys, well, there's so much to get to, so much today. So I'm just going to be very brief to remind everyone, connect with us on social media, follow the podcast account on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also the main account, at Mile High Huddle. You can see here on the screen, connect with Zach Kelberman, follow him on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Gentle reminder, check out the merch store when you get some time. Get yourself a hat, get yourself a T-shirt, a mug, a face mask, a little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we are doing here at Mile High Huddle. Also, shout out to our Facebook supporters. And for those of you, there's about 90,000 followers in our community on Facebook that uh, just, we love you so much. And if you want to be able to become an official supporter, you just go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. See the big blue button, become a supporter, click that. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store or become an official supporter, 
subscribe, like, share. Those three things each and every one of you can do. It goes a long way. And especially if you share and like this video, those two things, let Zach and I know really how well we are doing as hosts of this podcast. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer, it's not your average seltzer because rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It used to be if you wanted to make an impact, you wanted to make a difference in the world, you'd have to get off your butt, you'd have to go out there and do something. With Coors Hard Seltzer, they're making it all the easier to make that impact, and the way they're doing it is by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer, this is how it works, restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them And the way it shakes out is 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Plus, with Coors Hard Seltzer, you get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in game. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I know for a fact, watching that Broncos-Chargers game in the first half, I needed a few Coors Hard Seltzers to get me by. But after that wild comeback victory, I'm celebrating with my Coors Hard Seltzer in the best possible occasion. So gang, join the world's easiest volunteer program. By simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit Coors Seltzer. Dot com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's grab this super chat from Father Ridge because they are stacking up hot and heavy. and yep. We are your football priests. It's a gut reaction. We're here to help you exercise the demons, and we'll work through this together, gang. All right, let's see what Father Ridge says. Appreciate the support. Thank you. He says, Locke is the guy. Need an offensive line. That's what this game showed. No cornerbacks. Doesn't help either. This was a good game. We're still young. Patience. Yeah, Zach, and that's a good point, Father Ridge, is that 
you know, Broncos fans are sick of being patient. You know, they're hoping for that quantum leap forward in 2020. And Zach, I think as analysts, you know, we were there. We thought this was this was shaping up to be that year where they could finally take that step forward. I don't want to blame everything on on injuries, but Zach, the magnitude of the Broncos injuries this year have just been off the chain. And what it's not just a guy here, a guy there. I mean, there was a point where the the every Bronco Pro Bowler had gone down and missed at least a game. Two of them, on, three of them, on injured reserve. The only guy that had been to a Pro Bowl who managed to go unscathed was Melvin Gordon, and then he missed one of the games, of course, when he got strep throat. So I think injuries in a in a truncated off season, of course, Locke and Shermer missing out on fourteen hundred plus reps with no OTA, Zach, no preseason, and then you throw in the fact that this is just a young team still figuring itself out. It doesn't make it any easier to to accept, but it's just the score. It's just the way it is. It's just what's so. It sucks. It's reality. But, you know, we said this. It's a process. We said it, you know, after the Chiefs game. We said it after the Chargers game. You're going to have the highs and the lows. I will say, though, about the offensive line, it's a point I wanted to make earlier uh, in this in this pod tonight. The reason why Locke is so prone to drifting back and throwing off his back foot, not to make excuses because it's bad. It's a bad habit that he has. But he's so used to getting pressure, especially up the middle. This year, Chad, except for Elijah Wilkinson on the right side, who, thank God, by the way, is on IR, he's been dealing with pressure in the interior, right guard, left guard, and center. And he's just he knows it, he's come to expect that. And he sees ghosts, and he has happy feet. Again, it's not an excuse. It's just what's so. And that could explain also why, after DeMar Dotson left the game today, the whole dam broke. I mean, Jake Rogers and Austin Schlopman are not Graham Glasgow and, and DeMar Dotson. You, you miss the veteran experience in there. Then you have a rookie center. And then you have Reisner not playing great this year. At least Bowles was the one constant, but the offensive line, like I've been saying four or five weeks ago, it doesn't matter if you have Elway in his prime back there. If you can't protect him, if you stunt his development, it's not going to make a difference. The offensive line was atrocious today. I can't say the same thing about Drew Locke. Stu Meat, appreciate that super sticker, my friend, and the support. It does mean a lot to us. I hope you know that, all of our superstars. Real quick, this is Dale Rude jumping in. He says, uh, the offense is so young, it sucks watching them struggle. But give them a year. Um, oh, hold on. Hold on one sec there, John. Give them a year. We should be in great shape for the future if we can fix the offensive line issues. It's not necessarily what Broncos country wants to hear. But this is obviously, I mean, yeah. you, you, you can't rule it out till it becomes a mathematical impossibility, Zach. But this is looking like, you know, the Broncos, the expectations of this team really being a competitive, maybe not a juggernaut, but a competitive factor. It's probably one more year out, and they need a few things to break their way. And hopefully, you know, you get into 2021 in the terms of the offseason, and, you know, they're able to have a traditional offseason and a traditional preseason. And, you know, even if if Shermer, Zach, and uh, continues to kind of have that up and down X's and O's from, from a weekend game planning, even if we're scratching our heads and it's inconsistent, one game it's good, one quarter it's good, two quarters it's bad, whatever, but – the Broncos have to be very careful not to throw that baby out with the bathwater because that was one of the pivotal questions at this point. Did Vic Fangio jump the gun firing Rich Scangarello? Of course, he he didn't have a crystal ball. He couldn't have known that, that there was a pandemic coming. But at this stage, you need some continuity for your young quarterback and this entire young offense if indeed at the end of this season the Broncos remain in support of Locke as their guy and go into 2021 at least with him being the, the dude. 
I, I think at, at the time of Von Miller's injury, then Cortland Sutton's injury, and then when Locke first went down, I think some Broncos fans had enough foresight to kind of turn the page on this season and look as it as a developmental year. And that's what it is right now. If they got to 500, they had a chance. The odds were always against them. Regardless, though, the number one question Chad and I both floated is Drew Locke the guy. That's the number one question they have to answer. And to me, it was more important than the playoffs. Knowing is Locke the quarterback for the next half decade to 10 years. There's been good and bad. There's been yes and no. He'll have the rest of the season to prove that. The jury's still out as far as I'm concerned. I don't judge him based on one game, one quarter. He looked really good in the fourth quarter last week. He looked really better in the, in the fourth quarter this week. And like you said, he wasn't terrible today. He wasn't Chiefs-level bad. He made some bad choices, some bad decisions, but his stat line wasn't terrible. And I think his play calling, like usual, and the offensive line, like usual, let him down big time. And guys, if you start first uh, on first down, if you get tackled for on a on a run, an outside zone play, and Philip Lindsay gets tackled for a five yard loss, or Melvin Gordon or Royce Freeman, whoever it is, if the running back gets tackled for a five yard loss because the offensive line does not hold up at the point of attack, that just puts this team behind the sticks, and that's how it unfolded, at least on one drive for Drew Locke and the Broncos. This offensive line, we expected more, especially from Dalton Reisner. It's great to see Garrett Bowles continue to show that he, uh, you know, the improvement seemed to be a legit permanent thing, but you're not seeing steps forward from Dalton Reisner. Now he's little brother. It was him being the big brother and Bowles being the little brother. It's almost like that whole role has reversed. Cushionberry on the final play, you know, snaps the ball into Tim Patrick as he's motioning. I mean, <laughs> what a fitting end that was. And then, of course, the mess at right tackle is just not good. And then Graham Glasgow, of course, still in the protocol in terms of the word that she'll go and mention, the, the virus. Dylan jumping in. Love you, Dylan. Longtime you. listener of this show and a bona fide superstar. He's up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore. We always love having you in a Huddle Up podcast stream, my friend. He says, the final score doesn't matter. You can't expect to consistently win games only playing in the fourth quarter. Can't say I think Locke is the guy. Bad play calling or not, you have to raise all ships. And that's a good point, Zach. I mean, the, the truly great quarterbacks, that's one of the things they're able to do is, is they're the, the, the tide that raises all ships. It takes time, though, for young quarterbacks to truly become that tide. And in Locke's case, I mean, look at Peyton Manning, all right? If the same expectations that are being leveled on Drew Locke and most young quarterbacks in the NFL right now were held on Peyton Manning back in 1998, who – you know, through 26 interceptions and the Colts went one and 15. I mean, he never would have made it into year two. So there is some patience that is required in this process. But at the same time, Zach, you know, the people that in, you know, MHH, guys like James Campbell, guys like uh, Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson, maybe Nick Kendall, I'm not sure. But they say, look, that was then. This is now. Today's NFL, you can't wait four or five years for a guy to show what he's got at quarterback because too many of them are coming straight out of the box from the draft and, and you know, dominating on the field so that's why the onus is on lock he's got this year to prove it and so far it's one step forward two steps back well I agree with the premise that a quarterback at least a franchise quarterback and it's true it's not just a premise they do raise all ships but it's tough to raise those ships when there's cracks in them Chad and there's parts of them missing when there's holes in the ships they cannot be raised and those holes are the offensive line play the injuries and the coaching again it's not all on on those factors it's also on drew lock he wasn't perfect today he has a long way to go and i'll be the first one to admit this as a drew lock stand so to speak i thought he'd be a lot further along than where he is right now Watching him play in this game, there really was no excuse. He got Tim Patrick back. He had both running backs. He had all his tight ends, all his weapons against a terrible passing defense in a dome. 
And even though the dome was open, I don't care. It was a perfect smash spot matchup for Drew Locke, and he did not take advantage of it as he should have. And again, it's not just on him. It doesn't have to be one thing or the other. Chad, it's a collective failure when these things happen. Broncos fans want to blame the boogeyman. That boogeyman is either named Drew Locke or Pat Shermer. They're both. There's two boogeymen. And there's maybe more than that when you factor all the different things that are uh, combining to result in this score. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Uh, Let me grab this one here from Jonathan Figueroa, who's been waiting patiently. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, Pat Shermer is killing Locke, man. Phil, I'm not, Phil, uh, I'm I'm not sure what he said. Phil, I'm in basically the whole time. Something about Philip Lindsay, not a bad performance by Locke, but this O-line and Shermer will kill any quarterback. And appreciate the the super chat, Jonathan. And Zach, to his point about the offensive line and what you were saying, concluding your last remarks there, you know, more than one thing, more than one unit, person, coach can uh, be to blame at the same time. In this case, one thing that Broncos fans have to have to recognize and acknowledge is Matt Ryan came into this game and did what good. Um, I almost said great. He's not great, in my opinion, but good veteran NFL quarterbacks do. They find that weakness. They step on it. They exploit it. And when the Broncos had to field two rookie corners plus a Devontae Harris and then eventually even Tolliver, who just got called up off the practice squad. I mean, this was house money, and it was easy money. Like Matt Ryan, it was like taking candy from a baby until finally they ended up going into kind of more of a conservative offensive shell, giving the Broncos a chance to come back in the fourth quarter. But, you know, the the injuries to the secondary played a big role in the Falcons being able to jump out quick on this team. I wouldn't say he's great either, but I, it's fair to say that Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. I think he got crapped on for years because of a loser head coach and a bad defense. He put up numbers season after season, and he was surgical today. And you can't just blame the Broncos quarterbacks. When the, when the deep ball wasn't there, he was taking what's open in the middle of the field. He was picking them apart. He was comfortable in the pocket for the most part. He, he played a really hell of a game today, and you see just how far the Broncos are from a top-flight passing attack like the Falcons. In terms of Philip Lindsay, though, to, to be be fair and all and it's for objectiveness for the sake of that 
He had a brutal drop, Chad. I cannot excuse him for that. I understand a lot of the Philip Lindsay detractors now will come out and say that's why he's on an RB1. It was an inexcusable drop. I still think Melvin Gordon's overpaid. I still think Philip Lindsay should be paid, but that's when you know, Chad, when the wheels fall off. It's not just one or the other. When it's Philip Lindsay dropping passes, it's just no one came to play today. Tom El Greco jumping in. Appreciate you again, my friend. He says that Tim Patrick phantom no call interference in the end zone could have right. been a touchdown in the second quarter, guys. You know, I didn't really see that. I'll be honest with you, and I'm not just trying to be, you know, um, Chad adversarial. I didn't split see screen. I tweeted a picture of it, a screenshot. Pull it up for okay. our audience right now. All right, let me let me find it. Drop some knowledge while I pull it up, though, on what you yes, said. Yes, that I'm I'm happy this question came up. That should have been, and the announcers were killing Drew Locke for missing Tim Patrick. No, this should have been a touchdown pass. His arm was being yanked down. It was obvious. I tweeted about it. It was defensive pass interference. It should have been first and goal on the one. The Broncos got robbed. It wasn't right, an errant. It wasn't an uncatchable pass or an errant pass. Should have been a touchdown. All right, I see it here. Let me just. This is a screenshot, all right, from the, that Zach pulled up this earlier. This is inexcusable. And here's what you see. Come on. Right, right arm of the DB holding on to Patrick's right arm. All right, so I'll take that back. Um, you know, upon first glance, to me, it didn't seem like it was P.I. But, yeah, that was – that was that's looks like P.I. to me. And it could have been a touchdown in the second quarter. Could have given the Broncos, as Tom points out here, a little momentum, Zach. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. You're not always going to get every call that you should. And in this yeah. case, I'll be honest with you, and this is you know one of those days where the the officials, the the way they were calling this game, oh. it, was, it was just against the Broncos, which was odd to be honest with you. It was, and who knows if it's an outlier, if it's going to end up being a um, you know a consistent pattern here. But the Broncos have been one of the best teams in the league in terms of penalties. They've been very disciplined up to this point, so it sucks seeing them so many just mental snafus and and the officials not really seeing it their way. How about that special team's penalty? I don't even know what it is, but it took them like 10 minutes. They had a conference and a PTA meeting middle of the field to figure <laughs> out what was going on. The referees were terrible today, but that Tim Patrick no call was egregious. And that's the type of play, Chad. You score on that play. It changes the whole complexity of the game. Locke gets confidence. Locke's in a rhythm. The Broncos have a touchdown on the board. The defense is motivated and energized. That should have been a touchdown. They got robbed by the refs. I'm not blaming the Zebras, but that should have been a, a pass interference. Awesome. So we now know JFigVids, his original handle on YouTube. This is his real name, or at least the I, I assume. Jonathan Figueroa jumping back in on Super Chat. Thanks, my friend. He says, by the way, it's me, JFigVids. Changed my handle. Thank you for making that known. And by the way, John, if you're on Twitter, reach out and connect with Zach and I because we want to be able to shout you out after the show. Here's Mr. C, a name we do not recognize on Super Chat. So welcome, welcome. and thank you, my friend, for the support. He says, just tell the offense it's the fourth quarter at the beginning of the game. Maybe that'll get them going sooner. That speaks, Zach, to, you know, it's a message that Pat Shermer has to take to heart. I'll pull this up as, as I serve this over to you, but Pat Shermer's, um, his remarks on this question, he was asked on, on Thursday, hey, you know, once you guys went tempo in the fourth quarter against the Chargers, you guys moved the ball, put up 21 points. It was a freaking blowout for you guys. What did you take from that? Can you use more tempo to get Drew Locke going? And his answer was actually, we we analyzed it the other day. It was very unsatisfactory, and then it ended up coming out in the wash unsatisfactory on in week nine. He, he answered the question with like a theoretical question. He's like, yeah, that does sound good. Maybe we should apply that. Maybe that would help. It's like if you don't see that by now, have you watched a game of Drew Locke? Have you watched any tape last season or this season? Again, that's on Pat Schirmer. That's on the coaching. But – 
let me tell you something. The Broncos came back last week, and they almost came back this week because of who they're playing. If you play a better team, not a hapless team known for collapsing like the Falcons and the Chargers, you do this against the, I don't know, you know, the the, the Packers or one of the elite teams in the NFL. It's not going to happen. Or the Chiefs even. You, you have to play all four quarters. I know the question's funny, and there's some truth to it. You have to play from the opening whistle, and I tweeted that. I said, own this game, Broncos. Come out with a, an opening drive touchdown. Put your stamp on this game and show that the inferior opponent is just that, inferior. And they just can't seem to do that, John. Indeed. Uh, we got Eddie jumping in. Appreciate that, Eddie. Uh, he says uh, on Facebook, I was yelling, step up, instead of backing up where the blitzes were coming from. Locke just hasn't learned yet how to read the blitz and step away from the blitz. You're going to see this until it clicks. Teams are going to blitz, blitz, blitz till Locke can read the defense. When he learns that, he will make teams pay because guys were open. And, yeah, I mean, that's just part and parcel Zach of a young quarterback figuring things out. And that's even something that, that Rich Gannon spoke to is that, look, you know, Locke just needs more time on task. He needs reps. And that's what made losing out on the, you know, 14 or 1400 or so reps for, you know, the off season and preseason tragic. Yeah. It's there's, you know, you can always make excuses, but it just seems like in certain situations, no matter of having an off season, no matter of not having an off season, you have to know the best place to call in certain situations. And there's no coincidence that they turn it on in the fourth quarter when Locke starts to play loose with nothing to lose his, you know, what to the wall, Chad, he plays the complete opposite quarters, one through three. They have to have that mentality going into a game, but until they do, I don't know how you don't look at the coaching and the game plan and the preparation and point your finger at that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. EA Dub, Discount Audio and Wills, our friend Tony out in Los Angeles, jumping in with a very generous people. Appreciate you, Tony. He says, is this bad luck or good luck? He looks so horrible, then looks good. Can we see both sides? One, two, three quarters. He's awful. The team gets down. Then Locke gets going uh, in garbage time. Or is this him playing loose gunslinger? Thoughts? I think part of it is, to be honest with you, Zach, is it's that do or die scenario. When you when you your back is against the wall, the the real, you know, the real 
spirit of the of the quarterback comes to the surface. You don't have a choice. It's right. time to go. And so that's the one silver lining of these last couple of games is that when those chips have been down, Locke has found a way and he's made a way. And today he was even, you know, he threw that pick, which was the big departure between comparing last week's fourth quarter and this week's is he did have the one major mistake that that pick in this, this week's fourth quarter basically cost the Broncos any chance at really closing that gap. But what should encourage Broncos fans is when the chips are down and the back is against the wall in game, Lock, that's when it comes out. That's when the best performance of Lock comes out. So if you are Pat Shermer, if you are Mike Shula, you have to figure out how to extract that energy, that you know, mindset between the ears for full four quarters. And I don't know that there's a way to, you know, manufacture that artificially, Zach, but you got to find some way to help Lock realize, and this is you know, no pun intended, how to unlock that version of himself in the first, second, and third quarters. Well, when the chips are down, uh, a fight or flight reflex kicks in for a quarterback. And some quarterbacks like Paxton Lynch, they would, they would flight, you know, and some quarterbacks like Drew Locke, there's fight to him. And he plays best with, like you said, with his back against the wall with nothing to lose. And you don't want to allow yourself in that situation because you can't be the cardiac Broncos every single week. It doesn't work out that way. But if you can just have that mindset going into the game, it's all about preparation. It's going from the opening whistle. This is the script. This is the game plan for this week. Drew, we're going to roll you out. We're going to let you use your legs. We're going to let you uh, connect over the middle. We're going to get you in high percentage situations. We're going to get your confidence up. We're going to string together drives. Until they start to do that consistently, you have to look at who is calling the plays, who is giving Drew Locke his marching orders. You you made a comment or we got a question about the play calling and the routes, receivers being open. There was one, it was third and 13 or third and 15, I believe. Everyone ran deep except for Deshaun Hamilton of all people with a three yard crosser over the middle. Where is the ingenuity there? Where is the creativity? That is the best you can do on third and 13. It might as well be third and 45. It seems like when it's not third and five or shorter, the Broncos just wave the white flag. We can't get this. We'll just, we'll punt. We'll, we'll save it for next series. That's a defeatist pansy attitude that comes from the coaching. That's not the way Drew Locke quarterbacks, Chad. That's the coaching and the mindset that Pat Shermer brought in this offseason. JP, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Talk about a superstar. Been with us a long time. He says, Locke balled out again, and I'll put an asterisk there, in the fourth quarter. Think about Vic Fangio. Uh, I think both Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer need to go. And it may end up shaking out that way, I don't think, unless they end up losing all their remaining games that Vic Fangio's going anywhere. Pat Shermer has been dissatisfactory up to this point. But, Zach, to your point about the offense and getting in a groove and Locke being up against the wall, and that's where it, it, it all comes out, the, the best performance, play calling, all that stuff, it's also execution. And the receivers today did a much better job. This is a couple games in a row now where the receivers really came to play. And outside of one or two moments, like KJ did drop a slant, uh, Philip Lindsay did drop that one that you mentioned, Zach, late in the game. For the most part, the receivers showed up and balled out. The offensive line, though, they just aren't helping. They're not putting Drew Locke in a position to succeed. And I don't just mean that as pass protection. As I Am Supreme 22 says here, fix the O-line and help and fire Shermer. <laughs> Get healthy, fix the O-line, fire Shermer. But, Zach, if you set your quarterback up on first down but with a five-yard loss on an outside zone, and now you got second and 15, and you're already down by you know two scores in the first half, it's just not a recipe. So I for success, I don't know what it's going to take for this offensive line to coalesce because if it's each week it's a different guy that ends up kind of just having a bad game. Tom says, 
Uh, appreciate the super. He says, Locke did everything on his own in the fourth quarter. I don't know if I'd go quite that far because Jerry Judy was quite Herculean. Uh, this right. And so was, so was KJ. And I want to go over some numbers, and then, but, but I'll serve it over to you first. I mean, he was also on his own when Locke threw that pick because I know he got pressure in his face, but throw the ball away. Take a sack. You know, eat it. Live for the other down. There's no reason he should have thrown that ball. And from one of Locke's biggest supporters, it was inexcusable, unjustifiable. That was all on Drew Locke. But when he's getting, again, no help, Chad, you don't have to be a supporter or a detractor to call it like it is. When the offensive line is allowing pressure on every snap, Russell Wilson couldn't, couldn't succeed behind that. When your, your running back is dropping passes, when your, your tight ends are getting hurt, these are all factors that are not theories. They're not rumors. They're not opinions. These are realities. These are facts. And the fact is, Locke was not helped out by his coaches or much of a supporting cast. On the other hand, though, he didn't do the Broncos any favors with his erratic play. Again, it's not just one or the other. There are multiple things at play at all times as to why the Broncos offense just cannot get on track consistently. Jake Gerard jumping in on Super Chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, you're down 21 in the third quarter, and there's no hustle at all. Come on, Pat. Stop running the ball on second and 22. That's not on Drew Locke. You can't blame Locke on that. Very well said. Um, one other thing here, and then I want to go over some of these stats real quick from Father Ridge. Thank you, my friend. Uh, he says, so easy as a fan to give up. Patience is key. Not everyone is going to be Herbert and Mahomes off the bat. Look at Elway, Peyton Manning, even Josh Allen. And that's good. I mean, I think that's true. And that's the thing is there's too many extreme reactions on both sides of the spectrum, cutting both yeah. ways on lock. Like it's either he needs to be the man immediately or, you know, he's guys, he deserves to be the guy for his entire four year rookie contract. There is a happy medium. All right. It, it just like in week seven, when Zach and I were telling you after the chiefs game, it's too early to jump the gun and say, Drew lock isn't the guy. Then he comes back after three horrible play uh, quarters of play against the charters and wins and then today it's another up and down performance. It's just not enough there yet. Uh, they're there to make any kind of definitive evaluation on Drew Locke. That's why fans and the team at this stage, all they can do, they're mid season, right? They got to stay the course and stay patient. But Zach, I want to go over some of these numbers real quick. And then we'll get right back into the stream. Look at Jerry Judy. The one thing I got right in my prediction was that Jerry Judy was going to have his pop game. Now, maybe you could argue with me and say that this doesn't qualify for a pop game because you know, the, Bron- the Broncos lost, and I disagree. This was Jerry Judy's first 100-yard receiving game as a pro. He was targeted a whopping 14 times. Zach, finally, finally, Drew Locke fe- uh, realized that when I target Jerry, good things happen. So the more I need, to, you know, it's just like I think this was another thing that Gannon did a good job of observing in the color commentary is that, hey, he either catches the ball, Judy, when the ball comes his way, or he draws a penalty. 14 targets, seven receptions, 125 yards, and that touchdown. Meanwhile, KJ, 10 uh, targets as well. So I love seeing that, Zach. Even though it was in defeat, I love seeing that 24 targets went to Judy and Hamler, and you ended up getting 200 yards of offense and a Mm -hmm. touchdown out of it. That's what it should be, though, from a first and second round receiver. And that's what Jerry Judy can do. And I don't think this was um, exaggerating Judy's performance, Chad. Even if you take away that 41-yard catch, that six receptions for, what, 70-something, 70, 74 yards. I can't do math, but whatever. It's still a good game for a first-round pick who is getting better incrementally, Chad. He's getting better as the, as the games go on when he's finally having some cohesion and, and chemistry and getting reps in with his starting quarterback. So, yeah, very encouraging. And also K.J. Hamlin. Every time the ball is in his hands, he makes things happen. Earth to Pat Shermer. Keep doing that. Do not go away from that. 
Uh, Dale Rude jumping back in again. Oh, John's got the actual super. Appreciate that, my friend. Um, he says, people complaining about Jerry Judy's drops are forgetting about another Jerry that dropped 10 in 11 games only to go on to become the GOAT, of course, talking about Jerry Rice. And, you know, Judy today, I thought was this was his best overall game as a pro. This was a game, Zach, where I wouldn't quite say he took over the game, but he looked good, man. And yeah. there was uh, – what was it, John? I'm going to check the private chat. You sent us a – Message here. Jerry Judy has become the fourth Broncos rookie wideout since 1970. Only the fourth, guys, with 400 plus receiving yards in his first eight games. And that, uh, you know, that's impressive. So tip your cap to him. Um, while we're at it, John, we got uh, the next one here. I don't know if you have Seth and Tom's. You already grabbed Tom's. If you got Seth's, um, if not, I can throw them on the screen. But Zach, as uh, I read this super and then I want to serve it over to you here. Seth, appreciate the super. He says, obviously a disappointing loss today, but I was really encouraged by a few things. Drew is still the guy. Sure, the interception wasn't good, but he definitely did more good than bad, even with no O-line. Zach, I would concur that there was more good than bad from Locke today. Yeah, this wasn't the Chiefs game, and it definitely wasn't the fourth quarter of the Chargers game last week where he just looked like, you know, filing that franchise potential quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I think he was more good than bad, and, he, and especially when you look at it objectively and you factor in the offensive line, the draw passes, the play calling, I think we saw more encouraging than discouraging from number three today, for sure. All right, so what were your thoughts here on fancy usage? He was targeted only three times, had that big play to open up that went for 32 yards, And then they went away from him until the second half. He ends up with three receptions on three targets, 45 yards. Your thoughts on Noah Fant and really the overall tight end usage in today's game. Well, I wonder how serious that injury was. It looked like he broke his ankle. He was limping off the field, and he had that ankle that was bothering him. Um, assuming he was healthy, he came back in the game, he should get be getting way more targets, Chad, than three. A f- first-round tight end who is is pinballing off guys and beasting down the field, that, again, is what I'm talking about. Look at the discrepancy. Jerry Judy should be getting 14 targets, but Noah Fan should be getting way more than three as well. There's just too much of a of a contrast there. And I, I like what he can do when he, look at that, Chad, 45, that's 15 yards a catch. Why mm-hmm. not go to him more consistently? You use a first round pick on the guy and you ignore him. And the tight end usage, again, Albert O, is that injury serious? It looks serious. It's tough to blame Shermer when his tight ends are injured, but after them, who also do you rave about? You know, I'm not getting excited when Nick Vanette comes on the field. I just think overall, it's the same complaint I have every week. Get the ball to, uh, to uh, Noah Fan way more often than three times. Yes, indeed. Uh, we got Isaiah eleven twenty seven jumping in. Good to see you as always, my friend. He says the deciding series. Appreciate the super. Yeah, third quarter drive by Atlanta. Two personal fouls and a whiff sack by a tattoo ends with the Julio touchdown. Your guys' thoughts? I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, thanks again, my friend. Zach, first off, Kareem Jackson was obviously on the officials' radar. This week, right after the head hunting, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that very loosely. I'm not making accusations, but just how aggressive he was yeah. in the second half against the Chargers. He was on everyone's radar today from the officials, ended up biting the Broncos on that drive that he's talking about. Isaiah plus Chubb gets the roughing the passer. A couple of guys kind of losing their poise in a critical situation. And then attach you. How do you explain that with we're, we're not talking about trying to bring down Big Ben from, you know, because but when you've got Matt Ryan dead to rights from the blind side and you whiff like that, and then he goes on for 12-yard gain, like 
Everyone was surprised that Jerry Attacher did not absolutely destroy Matt Ryan. What in the heck? I mean, are we, though? Is this why he's a backup linebacker on whatever team he is now? I mean, Malik Reed, I think, would have made that sack. Bradley Chubb, I think, makes that sack. Von Miller makes that sack. The Julio Jones touchdown is more egregious to me because you have a rookie cornerback match one-on-one with arguably the best receiver in the entire NFL. And you think Vic Fangio would have learned by having uh, Devontae Harris matched up on that long touchdown to Zacharias, whatever his name is, in the first half. You can't put single coverage on inexperienced cornerbacks. And we talk about Kareem Jackson. I said this on the halftime stream. It's all fun and games, and it was cool that he had those big hits, but he knocked out and concussed his own teammate. And you would have liked to have A.J. Boye in this game, Chad, so it's unfortunate. Uh, Dylan, jumping back in again. Thank you, my friend. He says, the real question is, if Elway and company are willing to be patient with Locke past this season, Zach, I think, and that is a good question, and I think it is one of the questions, and you know, won't be answered until we get through these remaining eight games, right? The Broncos are officially at the midway point; they're three and five, so they're on track to finish the season six and ten. All right, if you're John Elway, amid all the injuries, amid the ups and downs of this season, the Broncos finish six and ten. If that's how it ends up shaking out. Depends entirely on how Locke plays the rest of this season. Honestly, like the record, throw it out. It doesn't really matter. It comes down to how well does Locke play, even in in losses. Like today, for example, the defense finally broke. Like this was the game. I mentioned this during the the halftime stream. Vic Fangio up until this point with all the defensive personnel losses due to the injury bug has been the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dike trying to plug every, you know, he plugs one hole and another one leaks. Boom, boom, boom. He still managed to field a top 10 defense. Today was the day where it all came, it was too overwhelming. Like the, the losses up front in the, in, on the D-line and the edge rusher, the losses in, at the cornerback level, especially losing Bouye and Callahan. It was too much to overcome. And, you know, that's not necessarily on Drew Locke, but that's a game, though, where Drew Locke and, and Pat Shermer have to recognize, like, look, we can't put this on our defense to keep this manageable and, and, and within striking distance. We have to go out there and put this to the Falcons – And again, this is not a defense. The Falcons, we talked about this on Thursday night show, previewing the game. This Falcons defense was very malleable, and they lost their top two edge rushers in this game. It's it's really hard to wrap your brain around why it took three quarters again for Drew Locke and Pat Shermer to get into a groove. There's no excuse. And you look at a game from last year, look at the Texans game, for example. This is a game that was comparable to me going into the Falcons game. Locke didn't wait till the fourth quarter to start putting up numbers. He had numbers from the jump chat. So you can talk about the quarterback. You can talk about his mistakes, and there's plenty that Locke has made overall. But the preparation, the game planning, and the play calling by Pat Shermer, disagree with me if you want, guys, is leaving a lot, a lot to be desired. We still have a lot we got to get to tonight, gang. Um, We're going to get to that here in just a second. But we also have to draw your attention to our phenomenal sponsor, sportsbetting.com. Guys, right now in the state of Colorado, sports gambling is legal. You want to utilize sportsbetting.com as a no-brainer. Sharp odds, low juice. You get hassle-free bonuses that you can roll over after only one time. And you get 24-7 live customer support. It's always a real person in the United States. But here is the kicker. Pay close, close attention here. At sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand bucks. It's unprecedented. I've never seen it anywhere in terms of online sports betting. Not just one bet, all right, but all of your bets. You play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, the way it works, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to a thousand bucks. 
and you can roll that thousand bucks or whatever's left of it over one after using it one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle at sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand dollars. And we do thank sportsbetting.com. We do thank Manscaped for sponsoring this yes. content for you guys and make it, helping to make it possible. So appreciate you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ren99 jumping in, Zach, real quick. He says, appreciate the super Ren. Denver needs to draft O line this year, and they just and they need just they need to let Locke do his do his thing all game long. Look what happened the last two games. We came back. Imagine what would happen if Locke had control all game. Zach, in a perfect world, okay, you take away the outside pressures and media calls for this and media calls for that and fan outcry for this, fan outcry for that. In an ideal world, I agree here with Ren. If you could go into 2021 with a focus on building that offensive line and you've got the weapons, you just need Cortland Sutton back. You've got wide receivers stacked to the gills. You've got two talented tight ends. Offensively, you're there. Drew Locke have, would have everything he needs if you can get that O-line firing on all cylinders. And a play caller. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what, Chad? I don't see how you can come out of the season if things hold as they are now. You can go into next season campaigning for Pat Shermer to be the play caller. I think he needs linemen for sure, and I said that. Regardless of Juwan James' status next year, regardless of Garrett Bowles, they have to invest in the tackles. They did it with the center this year. They drafted a guard last year. It's time to build the tackles because they can't run into the same problem where they're waiting until August and have to sign someone off the scrap heap. Regardless, yes, use a first-round pick. Use it. If they can double up at wide receiver this year, they can do it for tackle next year, Chad. But all I'm saying, they need a tackle, and I think a different play caller to handle uh, Locke's development in a much different way. 
By the way, has anyone seen what happened to to Demar Dotson? What the actual injury was? Because I I kind of mm. missed that juggling some of the things I was doing with the live blog and stuff. But if so, holler, let me know. Jake Rogers came in and was pretty uneven in yeah, in my to say opinion, the least. To say the least. Black Knight two thirty two, bona fide superstar, longtime listener. Love you, you, buddy. He says I'm throwing Locke into the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde player categories. Good in one half, bad in the other. You know, the last couple games, that's really been it. I mean, look at even uh, last year, okay? And this was a this was a fair criticism, I think, Zach, that, that in retrospect, it's a fair criticism from, I want to say it was Brett Coleman, a guy that does a lot of YouTube film breakdown stuff. Does He's really great at what he does. One of his concerns with Drew Locke last year in the five starts was, you know, it was actually the inverted of what you're seeing this year. Good first uh, half performances, and then he kind of, fades in the second half this year. It's kind of been the, the opposite of that, at least lately, right? Since he's come back from the shoulder, it's been stuttering first half and then he storms back in the second. So to your point, black Knight two thirty two, yes, you know, he's been very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde and being able to take those two extremes, the yin and the yang and find the best of both worlds. That's what's going to take time. That's how a quarterback figures out how to make his bones in the league and, and lock in 11 starts. He's not quite there yet. And he might just be one of those Jekyll and Hyde quarterbacks. We're, we're coming to learn a lot about Drew Locke. And I hate to make this comparison. It's going to seem really off base, but just hear me out. Learning about Locke and watching him is like watching CV play out. In the beginning, we knew nothing about how it worked, the effects it had, if how it could uh, you know develop and transform. And the same thing for Drew Locke. We're learning by watching him that one week it could be bad, one week it could be good, one week it could be the fourth quarter, it could be the third quarter. He reminds me a lot of Vinny Testaverde. Just a very erratic quarterback who, you know what, in the end, though, he got it done. He made the big plays. He had the Monday Night Miracle. The type of quarterback that he is. It's not always the cleanest game. It's not always the prettiest. But when the chips are down, when the stress is up, in crunch time, Locke tends to deliver. And I want that quarterback on my team, Chad. The key in quarters one to three is minimizing the bat. And that's something that Pat Shermer just cannot seem to do. I don't mind that a young quarterback is you know, his best play is coming in the fourth quarter. That's, that's good. It's just that it can't be so extreme a difference. Like it can't be just nothing for three quarters right. and then Tim Tebow-esque turning it on in the fourth. Uh, Tom El Greco says that, appreciate the super. He says that Lindsay dropped late was brutal guys. Yeah. It was. And it just, you know, look, it goes to show that Lindsay, look, it's not his forte. Receiving is not his forte, but as Zach has, has said many times, myself included dating back to March, was that catch that was dropped, or I should say that pass that was dropped from Lindsay in the fourth quarter, was that worth the difference between the 750K he's making this year and the just shy of $8 million that Melvin Gordon is making this year? Like, it was that worth it? And that's where we feel like the bang for the buck, you know, maybe that money should have gone to Lindsay. Speaking of which, I don't want to go back down that road on the whole Lindsay-Gordon contract, all that. Yeah. Let me just ask you this, okay? In terms of um, touch share today, Philip Lindsay did get the lion's share of the touches, but it was a razor thin margin. All right. The Broncos only called, let me see, 14, 15 designed runs. Philip Lindsay got eight carries for only 23 yards. Man, that's, that's bad news that's for that ridiculous. offensive line, dude. Melvin Gordon, six carries, 18 yards. And then Hamler on that one um, reverse got picked up 15. How many pass attempts now, though? How many pass attempts? Oh, for, for Locke today? Yeah. So they called. 55 because he had 48 attempts and seven oh. rushes, all seven of which were scrambles, right? So 
55 total called pass plays to 15 rushes. But remember, remember, and this is another lesson for Pat Shermer. He's got to figure out how to flip this upside down and and it's been inverted in the, in the wrong direction. The Broncos were down by two scores by the second quarter. Yeah, their game flow does play a part. I will admit that, but it's just too staggering, Chad. You cannot give Philip Lindsay your most explosive player with respect to KJ Hamler, only that limited carries. And it was the same last week. He needs to see double digit carries. And to, you know, to play the contrarian here, you're paying Melvin Gordon eight million a year, giving him less than 10 carries a game, regardless of how game flow plays out. That's why I say you can hate on lock all you want, but when you're running 55 pass plays to 15 runs when you have two of the better running backs in the NFL, that is wrong, and that is on the coaching staff. And the offensive line, the best the offensive line could do, let me add it up, 23 yards for Lindsey, 18 yards, 41 yards. 41 yards was the best that Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Austin Schlopman, and for the better part of the game, DeMar Dotson. That's the best they could manage. And that's just, you know, that that goes to explain a lot of what we saw today. Uh, Xavier jumping in. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. Make sure you you reach out and connect with Zach and I on Twitter. He says, this coaching staff is uninspiring. Really sad. And, you know, I think Fangio does a good job with the defense, but from an overall game management, puts too much trust and faith in – his other coordinators like Tom McMahon today, another special teams snafu that cost the Broncos. And it wasn't a big return given up or, you know, like a block punt or it wasn't as egregious as that, but on a key return that Tyree Cleveland, by the way, was money returning kicks today. That was phenomenal to see. Um, He picks up what I can go back to my live blog and find out the exact note uh, here, but he picks up, I want to say it was like a 35 yard return, but the Broncos, then he gets a then he gets a, a face mask right against the Falcons. Add fifteen yards to it. The Broncos are in business offsets because somehow inexplicably on a kickoff the Broncos get what was it Zach uh, illegal substitution? How do you get an illegal substitution on a kick re- uh, on a kick return? And again, I saw Fangio on the sideline after that screaming and hollering, and he was upset and justifiably so. But I think he's. Two hands off with these coordinators. He's going to have to start putting pressure on these guys. Everything you just said was 100%, Chad. Well said. And you know what? He should be mad at himself, not, you know, Tom McMahon for not firing McMahon when he fired Scangarello. He kept him around too long, and he's seeing the disastrous results. You guys know how I feel about McMahon. You guys know how I feel about Pat Shermer. What Chad said about Fangio I think is true. Great defensive mind. For the most part, his defenses are on point. But as a head coach, and this is something I harped on for weeks now, as a head coach, you don't just run the defense. You don't just run the offense. You run the entire freaking team. And too often, Chad, even I think Rich Gannon pointed this out today, Fangio's on the sideline with the stupid beekeeper face mask on, with his with his arms just like this, so stoic, so passive, no emotion. Get in your players' faces. Scream. Trample around. Do something to create a spark in the team. And like you said, not defer and delegate to a coordinator like Pat Shermer, who's in way over his head. Uh, our friend Adan, a six foot ten Mexican, is what he goes by on YouTube. Appreciate you, my friend, jumping in on Super Chat, one of our superstars, podcast uh, podcaster, I should say, in his own right. He says the lack of defensive stars exposed our struggling offense even more, and Drew needs to stop throwing off his back foot. Hashtag MHH, and that was something that was brought up on the pick uh, in the fourth quarter. Is in this case, he was fading back and threw too high, right? Was picked off. But in that case, he was actually justified in 
drifting back because he had pressure. I want to say it was Grady Jarrett, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And uh, look, that pick was ill-advised. But as as Team Wilson points out here, that was on the offensive line. I can't recall now off the top of my head who who leaked that through. I think it was just a miscue. I want to say that that guy came almost completely unblocked between Cushenberry and Schlopman. And it's just if it's not one thing, it's it's another. And that's why today, as, as Adon points out here, Zach, the lack of defensive wherewithal. I wouldn't even say stars, but I get your point, Adon. The fact that you're down your your top two corners, you're, you you don't have your freaking uh, Pro Bowl edge rusher, you don't have your Pro Bowl defense, your entire day one defensive line, not on the field today. No Jarrell Casey, no Mike Purcell, no Shelby Harris. It comes out in the wash eventually. And that's why, you know, this was one of those games where you knew going in, especially when we learned that Shelby did not travel with the Broncos. He was still in the protocol and stuff, even though he hasn't tested positive for the virus. We knew that this was going to have to be a game. And even Zach and I on Thursday, before we knew that Shelby wasn't going to travel, we were saying this is the game where uh, Drew and, and Pat Shermer need to get out early. Yes. This is a Falcons team that it's there for the taking, and it just didn't happen. The complimentary football in all three phases did not happen. Very well said. And, yeah, that greedy Jared that hit on lock, he was completely untouched. And how do you not block the best defender on the opposing team? That's just a scheme failure, and that's just a failure on the offensive line. But in terms of the defense, can we just give some credit also to Marcus Walker once again, Chad? Whenever he's on the field, he makes plays. I'm happy to see that. Draymond Jones continues balling out. Deshaun Williams look good. Let me just give, in a very bleak year, a shout-out to Bill Kolar, who is by far the best defensive line coach in the NFL. At least there's one glimmer of positivity week in and week out on this Broncos team. Yeah, I mean, Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker both notched a sack today. Draymond also got a tip pass. And let me just tell you, the Falcons were not able to run at will, despite, again, not one day one starter on the D-line. They finished with total rush yards. Let me find this. Rush yards, they didn't even get to 100. They finished with 92 rush yards. So part of that was game flow, but credit, as Zach said, to Bill Kalar and that young defense Yep. Even Sosa, they call him, uh, McTelvin yeah. Jr., the rookie yes. third-round pick, yes. he played well. Keith Cummings, MHH, uh, one of our MHH staffers jumping in across the pond, by the way. Good to see you, my friend. He says, uh, cutting Bosby blew up, Devontae Bosby, in Fangio's face today. Injuries hurt, but sending the depth corner to the Cardinals was a big mistake. So he didn't, he didn't get sent to the Cardinals. But what happened was, for whatever reason, the Broncos prioritized Zach the wrong Devontae. They put their chips in on the wrong Devontae and said, we're going to stick with Devontae Harris. Notice, not only did Devontae Bosby not make this roster out of camp, right? He was a cut that they put him on the practice squad and then brought him up a couple games in after A.J. Bouye got hurt. They never fiddled with Devontae Harris going up and down from the practice squad. They haven't risked putting Devontae Harris on the waiver wire. And you saw him finally today get some meaningful snaps, Zach. And it was a SHI, you know what show. It was a complete travesty and disaster. And yes, as Keith points out here, choosing to waive Bosby that last time, even though they planned on putting him back on the practice squad if he didn't pass through waivers, it blew up in their face because Vance Joseph, he's been paying attention to what's going on. Surprise, surprise, in Denver, noticed the good play from Bosby and they signed him. But look at how they handled Bosby even before the summer. They wouldn't tender him, and they resigned him to save a few bucks. It's like they didn't value him that much where they can sign him to what his tender was worth. So someone in the organization, either the front office or the coaching staff, has an axe to grind with Devontae Bosby. But when you keep a, a non-NFL cor- caliber cornerback like Devontae Harris and an undrafted rookie free agent in Asang Bassey over a guy in Devontae Bosby who, 
Whenever he's around the football, he makes plays on it. He was perfect for a Fangio system. There's no spinning it. There's no justifying it. You can be the biggest boss be hater in the world, but the Broncos made a horrible call letting him get away. All right, we are at the one-hour mark, and we have so many great Super Chat superstars stacked up, waiting patiently. So, Zach, let's take care of business. Let's get them, but we're, we're going to have to kind of rapid-fire through yep. them, starting with J-Lo. Appreciate the, the Super Chat from J-Lo right Thank here. You. He says, no sense of urgency. Locke obviously plays better when he doesn't have time to overthink. Play with pace. Getting back to the tempo thing. Devontae Harris is a liability. Well said on that. Bassey is saying Bassey played great. Gordon, $8 million bucks. Money needs to go to the offensive line, and I would concur with that. The only problem is, Zach, outside of paying uh, Luis Vasquez back in the day, back in 2012, John Elway has not done well when he spends on yeah. offensive linemen in free agency. So Ronald Leary, that was mostly a bust. He was a great leader, but he couldn't stay on the field. Uh, Juwan James, we know what happened there. Graham Glasgow up to this point, kind of been a wash, right? Kind That's of point. You know, um, so I get what you're saying there, J-Lo, but uh, I think the draft is the best thing to do, Zach, to build the O-line. Yeah, and a lot of these points I agree with and that we touched on. I don't think Bassey played great. I think he settled down in the second half, but he was being exposed, and that's why you know, you're know you missing Devontae Bosby in there. But I'm, I'm happy, Chad, that more people are coming around to what we were saying about Melvin Gordon. We don't necessarily hate the player, even though he's really nothing special to me, but $8 million for what? A handful of yards and carries every week. Way, way, way overpaid, egregiously. Mark jumping in. Mark Anthony Ignacio. Ignacio, appreciate the super, my friend. He says, Zach, rollouts, crossers are there, uh, are there, are open for Locke is known for his inconsistency and that we, and what we're seeing, the quick take without seeing the whole picture ain't it. No hate, all love. Give him the year. Be fair. Uh, they're there when it's third and 15, they're throwing a three yard crosser. I mean, I understand they're there, but it's the, the way and, and when they're calling these plays. And again, it's not, and this is something I said from the beginning of the season. It's not just the overall game plan. It's the situational play calling on down to down. It just seems like Pat Shermer has no plan. So yeah, the crossers are there. There's receivers open, but when you look at if it's third and 15 and the opposing team is guarding the sticks, of course, they're going to leave a guy open in the middle of the field. It's knowing when to call that play and, and why it's called that play for Drew Locke. David Kilgore jumping in again, one of our bona fide superstars and a guy who's been up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore for a long time. Appreciate you, DK. He says, with the issues we are having this year, what do you guys see us doing in the offseason? The answer to this question, David, very much comes down to how Drew Locke and the offense perform for the balance of the season. Even if the Broncos end up going six and ten, but Locke kind of finds his footing and starts playing more consistently. I, the Broncos want it to be locked. They want to have the quarterback situation solved, or at least they want to be able to put their cap dollars and draft pick uh, resources elsewhere. Cause that's what, you know, every good team, they don't want to have to continue rolling over the quarterback position. They want it to be locked. But what I see happening, this is, this is my way too early mid middle of the season prediction for the off season. I think lock does end up getting 2021, to be the guy. They'll bring in a better backup, a more veteran wherewithal guy backup, but Locke ends up being the guy. And they end up investing on the offensive line and cornerback with Gusto. They got to they gotta help the, the offensive line. They got to help the cornerbacks. Maybe another edge rusher, depending on what they do with Vaughn. 
I agree with you there. I, I will throw in Vic Fangio is not going to be fired for any Broncos fan holding out hope for that. He's going to get 2021. I will differ just slightly, Chad. I do think Locke is brought back as a 2021 tentative starter, though I do think they go for more of a competition this year, not just hand him the job, unless he balls out from every game going forward. I think they're going to make him earn it next year. But again, yes, the emphasis on the tackles, regardless of whether Garrett Bowles comes back, Juwan James comes back, they have to invest there because they're seeing it doesn't matter who you have. If you can't protect them, it doesn't matter anyway. What a nightmare it would be. Think about this. It's a nightmare scenario if you're the Broncos who finally fixed your left tackle and then you let him go. There's no way Garrett Bowles isn't a Bronco next year, whether it's a franchise tag or an extension. Like Garrett Bowles is coming back, and the Broncos missed the boat. They should have fifth-year optioned him. I understand why they didn't, and in, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. But you can't go into next year with two problems, two holes at tackle. you got to keep Garrett Bowles around. Uh, the queen of MHH jumping in. Love you, Christy. Appreciate you. And she's, you know, keeping it in perspective. This is a learning season. And especially, Zach, it's not what fans want to hear. And by the way, shout out to Ben Youts. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. It's not what fans want to hear. But when you lose 1,400 reps in the offseason and you got a first-year coordinator and a first-year starting quarterback, unless things go perfectly with regard to the injury bug, you know, it's going to come out in the wash. This is a learning season. If the Broncos can somehow figure things out and push for one of that that seventh, because you know we talk about how rare it is for zero and three teams who start zero and three to go on to make the playoffs since the NFL merger, it doesn't happen very often. But one thing that changes the statistics is the fact that this year there's an additional playoff state a spot at stake. So that could help the Broncos if they can figure things out between now and then. What's the old expression though, Chad? Facts don't care about your feelings. And that's, that's the truth. I mean, Broncos fans might not want to hear that it's a developmental year, but they need to hear that. that that's the most important thing is, is figuring out the young talent on the roster, starting with quarterback. Is this the guy going forward? Playoffs were always a nice thing to have. And I know the Pat Bolin standard is always going to be there, but the biggest question they have to answer and they're figuring out right now is lock the guy. And there's still time to figure that out. But yes, it is very much a developmental year. And let me tell you guys something real quick. If Jerry Jones of all people can resign himself to turning the page on 2020, if he can focus on the future, so can Broncos country, let it play out. If, if they earn playoff contention in a few weeks, that's great. If not, you have to figure out the young nucleus of talent who's worth keeping and who's worth getting rid of. And that also pertains to the coaching staff as well. We got Travis Blankenship jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you. He says, love the show, guys, even though I'm a dirty Pats fan. LOL. Let's go, Broncos. Well, thanks oh, for man. checking out with this, my friend. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue right now. Jess, CO13 Sports. Appreciate you as well. Superstar. He says, this is for Devontae Harris getting stiff-armed. Oh. <laughs> Not only is, that's what we were talking about. Oh. Back is he just played with such a lack of poise. Even when he would get beat, he would compound <laughs> that by, you know, missing the tackle or allowing something worse to happen. And it was just ugly, man. You gotta, he can't be the next man up today. Prove that. When he was, he wasn't just stiff armed. I actually, I was going to tweet a picture, a screenshot I have of it. He was depleted by that Brian Hill stiff arm. I mean, he was literally bulldozed. So it was not a good game by Devonta Harris, but then you wonder after that play, why was he left in single coverage one-on-one? Why was he still in the game going forward? That is on the coaching staff. All right, we've got one here from DH3. Appreciate the super chat, Thank my you. friend. He says, uh, Philip Lindsay is a below-average blocker. If he's not hitting big play home runs, he really has no effect on the outcome of the game. I wouldn't say that. He's 190 pounds soaking wet. 
that's not his forte. If you're putting him in, in here, Zach, as the tip of the spear to be your blocker, you know, good luck with that. And yeah, I understand there are going to be a few plays in a season where, you know, he's got to be that, that outlet, not outlet, but the guy that hangs back in and pass pro and helps chip. But when you match him up one-on-one with a, with an edge rusher, you're going to lose that matchup gang. And it ain't on Lindsay. And by the way, Lindsay doesn't just need the home run. Do you remember the new England game? DH3. I love you, my dog. Seriously. Appreciate you. Love you. Lindsay carried that home. Receivers dropping touchdowns four times in the end zone on Drew Locke against the Patriots. Meanwhile, Philip Lindsay doesn't have a 55-yard touchdown, doesn't have a 63-yard strike, 21 carries, gets over 100 yards, and allows the Broncos offense to keep moving and get six scoring drives. All of them are field goals, but that's what Lindsay can do for you when he's utilized. Today, eight carries, that's not enough to get him in the in a rhythm, and especially, Zach, when the offensive line is stepping on their own you-know-whats. They couldn't move a guy and, and open up a hole to save their lives. And especially when he has jam toes he's playing on. And last week he had a concussion. The guy is playing through injuries. He's not 100% either. And let me just posit this question as well as a counter. Does Melvin Gordon impact the outcome of the game? Does he do anything for $8 million? If you put Philip Lindsay on the Chiefs, let's say, he's a thousand yard Pro Bowl, uh, utility player. They are misusing him. He should have the ball way more in his hands than six to eight times a game. He is still a great running back. He is the Broncos best running back. And I don't hold, uh, the offensive line issues or the lack of play calling, proper play calling against number 30. Steve Baumgartner, appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you in the gut reaction as well as the halftime stream. Hope you're holding up and feeling well. Yeah. He says, I'm sticking with luck. Hashtag trust the process. And I think at this stage, like, again, there's nothing that should move any fan off of that at this point. Like, let the season play out. You want to see, instead of one step forward, two steps back, you want to see one step forward, one step back. Then you want to see two steps forward, one step yeah. back. Then you want to th- see three steps forward, zero steps back. Let's see that play out. Enough time on task. Yes, he now has a full four quarters of a season playing with Shermer, you know, back to back to back to back. But we, we need more time on task. And, you know, it'll come out in the wash. We'll know by season's end really which direction this thing's heading with Drew Locke. It would just be so nice, though, to have one week where the Broncos have that approach where they play up-tempo, they play loose for all four quarters. I would love to see that next week, and unfortunately, I can't hold my breath on that. They'll probably come out the same way, slow, and pick it up toward the end of the game. Like you said, though, by the end of the year, we should have an overall answer as to whether Locke is or isn't the guy going forward. John Mortensen, keeping the uh, supply chain flowing for America. Appreciate you, my friend. Superstar that's a truck driver over the road. Thanks, John. He says, refs in favor of Falcons, the whole game, everything against the Broncos, Falcons not. Uh, Falcons not perfect. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned that early on in the show, and I know you've been waiting patiently, my friend. But, uh, but yeah, this was a game where, you know, the Broncos have been very disciplined as a team penalty-wise. This was a game where it kind of went off the rails, and it wasn't just because of the officials. I agree with you. The officials did kind of call this lopsided, Zach, but it also was a game where the Broncos were shockingly unfocused. Right. Yeah, the the officials aren't the reason why the Broncos lost this game. Were they perfect today? No, they rarely ever are, but they're not the reason why the Broncos lost. It was the offensive line. We we all can go through it down the road again, but it was all the factors. I would not put the Zebras, Chad, at the top of the list. No, no. Um, John, do you have Corey H? If not, I can grab him. Um, There he is. Appreciate you, Corey. He says, when the defense showed it was having trouble early, I didn't see the adjustment to our offense to show more urgency and different play calling. It was clear we were going to need more points. Come on. That's an excellent point, dude. It really is because, 
even Zach and I and John into the third quarter, we're going, they're still huddling up and they're down 20 something points. Like what the heck? And yeah, that especially when they saw the score man early on, like Shermer should have realized, Hey, we got to go with the tempo. We got to move like we're in the fourth quarter, even though it's the second quarter. And just those little adjustments and that discernment and being able to recognize that, that you see from competent, successful NFL coaches, Zach, you're not seeing that from Shermer and it, it is concerning. I mean, Chad, this guy's calling draw plays on second and 20 when you're losing by three touchdowns in, in the second half. I mean, it, it, there's just no rhythm. There's no excitement. There's no energy. And I know that's also on Drew Locke as the quarterback. He's the leader. But when you're calling those plays in the game, it just it just beats your offense down overall. It beats your confidence down. And that's why you see a lifeless team until the fourth quarter when they have no other choice but to turn it up. Naj jumping in. Bonafide superstar, especially of late, last couple months, man. Naj has really emerged, and we appreciate you, my friend. Yeah, He says, brothers, tough game, but the team continued to play hard. Judy, Hamler, other young guys on offense getting valuable experience. The pass rush couldn't make up for the key secondary losses. Hope to play with the lead one yeah. day. Wouldn't that be nice? Sure. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. What a novel concept. It'd be great. And that's that's why it starts on the offense. And, Chad, that's why we're so disappointed, not necessarily with the defense, but the offense today. There's no reason why they couldn't have come out and established their will on a hapless Falcon secondary. And just until they do that, though, they're going to continue playing from a deficit and have to stretch games into the fourth quarter and live by the edge of their pants. And they, they, it's not a, a conducive recipe for success at this level. You cannot win games with field goals. You cannot win games by going three and out. You have to be better overall. How many of you saw that? The, there was a couple of points during the game watching the television broadcast where CBS flipped to the Chiefs-Panthers uh, game. And there was that one play that showed Mahomes and the Chiefs on the goal line, right, like a red zone uh, play. And it showed a bunch of pre-snap motion. The defense doesn't know what's What's going on? And he ends up hitting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on an outlet on the right-hand side. Touchdown, easy. How many of you saw that and were just eating out, eating your hearts out in jealousy? You're just like, look, you, it doesn't take Patrick Mahomes to have great design. Yeah, you need to execute, sure, at, from the quarterback position. But where is Pat Shermer missing the boat? And, Zach, this is supposed to be a, an Andy uh, an Andy Reid acolyte, which he is. He right. comes off that coaching tree. I am Supreme 22. Appreciate you. He says – 2021 is the year. 2020 is for weeding out Jags. I agree with you, Chad. And let me just tack on to your last point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Watching that Carolina Panthers game. First of all, Matt Rule is a great offensive mind. He's going to be a great head coach. Let me tell you something. He should have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs today. They missed a field goal at the end. They would have won by one point. His offense is so creative. If he's making hay with Teddy Bridgewater, a really fairly nondescript group of receivers, no tight end to speak of. Yeah, they have McCaffrey and all, but he is making things happen. The creativity is putting points on the board. He is manufacturing touchdowns with his scheme. It just makes me wish we had that on the Broncos. We had a creative mind like that. Not only is the play caller, but the head coach getting the most out of his team. On paper, the Broncos are so much more talented than the Panthers. But you watch them play, and it's like watching a JV and a varsity team. Ben Utes, Youts, Utes, Youts, I think. Appreciate you, Ben, jumping in on Super Chat to say, Shermer, Vic, and McMahon are doing their team a disservice every time they take the field. The coaches on this team lack the creativity, mental fortitude, and overall wherewithal needed to solidify the Broncos. I Honestly, I don't think that's true on Vic's case, like just the defense. All right. The defense wasn't the problem to uh, overall this season. All right. The defense hasn't been the problem. Today was the day that that the 
the dam broke, right? That Fangio couldn't withstand all the personnel losses. This was the day where it came out in the wash. But Fangio, I think, has been the one saving grace defensively. Now, as Zach said and I said earlier in this podcast, I think now is the time where he needs to take a more micromanaging role over what's going on with Pat Shermer, what's going on with, with Tom McMahon, Zach. And he can. You've got Ed Donatel, your trusted lieutenant dating back a decade, as your defensive coordinator in title, let him carry some of that load. Obviously, you need to start imposing your will a little bit more on the offensive and special teams phase. He's way too passive. And I know not every coach is rah-rah and spitting like Chucky or spitting like Bill Cowher used to, but at least get into your players' faces. Show that you're the boss and not just the defensive coordinator because that's how he's regarded by outside players, by outside fans, by outside media. He's the defensive mind, whereas who's the offensive mind? Is it Pat Shermer? Is it Mike Shuler? Do they not have? Is it Mike Munchak? There's too many cooks in the kitchen. And what do they say about that, Chad? That's why it's a bad thing. There needs to be one, one supreme leader at the top, and that needs to be Vic Fangio. Too many cooks ruin the broth. Smith Corona jumping in. Appreciate the super, my friend. He says, looking at our leading receivers, two rookies, a second-year tight end, no Cortland Sutton, and an entire team decimated by injuries. This banana is still green, boys. Let them ripen up a bit. I love that perspective because it's nothing he said there is is untrue. It doesn't make it any easier to accept, but uh, that's just the score. That's where this team is right now, Zach. Yeah, and that's that's the unfortunate reality. And again, you might not want to hear that, but you're going to have to hear that right now. Like Chrissy said earlier, it's a developmental year. It's a year of answering questions going forward. They cannot have more questions than answers by January 1st. They have to have more answers, especially a quarterback. Is Locke the guy? It's not about wins and losses. It's answering those questions. All right, let me see where we're at. We don't want to leave. And thanks, Marco, for the comment, my friend. Jerry Judy did have a, a very nice game. Um, John, I don't know if you have Casey. Um, let me see here what, where I'm at real quick. Bear with us. Just one second game that you're have been so passionate and now going, dropping your takes in the stream here today that, uh, it's made, we've had to really stay on top of things. Owen is where I'm at John at three forty-two. FYI. And I'm going to grab him real quick. Um, appreciate your patience. Thanks. Owen. He says, am I wrong for thinking we have the, have players, but not the play callers. I'd like to, to be a lot more aggressive on defense and a better system on offense. I really don't, Zach, have complaints schematically from Fangio on defense. I really don't. Offensively, at what point does it become a consideration, though? Mike Shula waiting in the wings, a very accomplished play caller. If Shermer continues to struggle, as I mentioned earlier, I would prefer to see some continuity offensive coordinator for Drew Locke next year if he ends up getting 2021. But Shermer just continues to not get into any kind of a groove as a play caller. I mean, obviously, I agree with that. But in terms of Fangio, for the most part, I think it's okay. But I can nitpick. He plays zone where he should play man. I think he his blitzes sometimes are very uncreative, Chad. He's always sending an inside linebacker. I know the injuries have affected him, losing Von Miller, losing Bryce Callahan, A.J. Boyage, or L. Casey, and the rest. But it just seems like at times they kind of just get a little hapless. They get a little space-headed. They're not as aggressive. They're not as uh, uh, good with technique and maintaining gap responsibility. Overall, though, that's the strongest part of the Broncos is our defensive scheme. It's not saying much, but it's the truth. I mean, I would show it to you, but we're running out of time. The Broncos in most of the major statistical categories going into week nine were a top 10 defense, okay, especially in the crucial areas. And today, you know, again, the dam broke, especially at cornerback. And Matt Ryan is an accomplished veteran quarterback that knows where that weakness is and knows how to exploit it. 
And he did it by playing one of his most efficient games of the year, taking out that interception, you know, that Justin Simmons picked off in the third quarter. Casey jumping in, appreciate the super chat. He says for my previous chat really does mean a lot to us, my friend. And, uh, let me grab this one as well from Mike Evans, who brings up a great point. I can't show Mike's beautiful mug. Oh, we can. Awesome. Thank you, John. Look at him. Got the stadium in the background, rocking the football priest T-shirt like a boss, and always bringing the, the salient takes. He says, we gave up too much interior pressure on offense. Undoubtedly true. Now, the one thing I'll say that, to that, though, Zach, is, which you know, it's a chicken or egg thing, right? Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? All right, was it the interior pressure that caused Drew Locke to bail too early throughout this game, even into the fourth quarter? Or was it him being spooked still and not trusting his offensive line? I think in this game in particular, it was more the the pressure that kind of got to him inside. He just wasn't staying in the pocket when he should have, even when there was an interior pressure. Because, look, edge pressure as a quarterback, you can live with that. That's when you step up. That's when you climb the pocket and, and trust your protection and make your reads and we just haven't seen that enough, Zach. It was too much thrown off the back foot, even though he still did make quite a few nice plays off that back foot. Well, here's the thing. You you need the chicken to make the egg. The egg's not going to make itself. So the reason why Locke was drifting, like I mentioned tonight and like I mentioned weeks ago, is because of the pressure he did experience last year. He experienced in that Tennessee game. Guys, that Tennessee and Pittsburgh, those two games really affected Drew Locke. And when you're you know hit on every pass, this was before DeMar Dotson. When you're hurried or hit or knocked down or you're pressured, it stays with you mentally. Look at uh, David Carr. Look at Josh Rosen. These are the two examples I did not want Locke to turn into. And on some passes, that's why he bails. That's why he drifts. These injuries the pressure of the offensive line, it all plays a part. It's on him to be better, but then you wonder, Chad, last thing I'll say, what are the coaches drilling into his head week in and week out? Why isn't that being corrected? That's a day one fundamental elementary thing. Let's grab Chris Hernandez, a bona fide superstar, an MHH, Mount Rushmore member here, and a 24-year veteran of the United States Air Force. We love you, Chris. Appreciate you so much. He says, great show, guys. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Hey, we appreciate each and every one of you being in the stream with us here tonight. And as Chris said, if we're doing a good job, like this video. It helps us out yes. tremendously. And Chris, much love to you, my friend. Good to see you in the stream. Hope everything's going well on your end of things. John, how about now we have about eight minutes to get through. We grabbed Owen. Do you have Tyler by chance? If not, I can throw him in. There he is. Tyler Souther jumping in. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Says, Guys, Locke honestly played well. The defense, O-line, and play calling failed our young QB. He needs time and protection. Love you. Uh, love you, gents. Great show. We love you too, Todd. Appreciate you, my dog. And, yeah, he does. I mean, you don't absolve Locke for not playing as well as he could have through the first three quarters, but he did. He wasn't the problem. Like, honestly, if if you were, were to say to me, Chad, what were – like, if you could go back and just magically wave your wand over the first half and change anything to improve the Broncos' offensive prospects – I would say first and foremost, this might cut against some of the some of the, the sentiment in the fan base, but I would start with the offensive line not being able to open up anything on the ground and allowing so much pressure on Locke. And then the play calling. Again, going back to Shermer, then it would, for me, come to Drew Locke. Drew Locke was the third thing, and he's, unfortunately, as the quarterback, Zach, he is extremely influenced and affected his play on the field by what happens with those first two things, the O-line and the play calling. Yeah, I mean, you put – 
let's say Joe Burrow behind this line, it's going to be the same result. If he's going to get hit on every drop back, if the play calling is as bad, there's a reason why Zach Taylor is getting the most out of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati because Zach Taylor is a good offensive mind. The Broncos don't have that. And, you know, any young quarterback, you need protection, you need time on task, like you say, Chad. These are common sense uh, things for any quarterback. And I will say this again, like I said, after the Kansas City game, anyone who needs to hear this right now, Brett Rippon would not have won that game for the Broncos. No quarterback with that protection would have won that game for the Broncos. Locke played pretty well, considering. Appreciate you, Tyler, jumping in again. And uh, we should be caught up with your super chats, my friend. Um, All right, we have five minutes, a couple supers left, and there's one or two I want to try if we can fit in from Facebook. Andreas, jumping in. Thank you, my friend, for the super chat. First half offense, Locke's interception, and the defense's penalties killed us. But love the potential for this young team. Put Cortland in there, and it's a dub. Maybe. I think you put a competent uh, offensive line in there, and it might have been a dub. But, I mean, again, guys, we could go back to the stats here, but let me just run this through you real quick. I want to show this really quick, Zach, and then we'll dip on out of here. We'll grab one or two more supers and then dip out because we're running very long. We love talking with you guys, but now we have to grab all the written content, jump on it, uh, covering this game in the aftermath. But look at this. The Broncos and the Falcons, even Stevens on first downs, all right? They each got 23. Third down, the Broncos actually were 7 for 16, 44%. That's an improvement over what they've been traditionally this season going into week nine. The Falcons, 46%. Uh, Fourth down, the Broncos still can't convert a fourth down. 0 for 2, they haven't converted one on the season. In the red zone, though, Zach, the Broncos, again, or 100%. That's the second time in the last three weeks where they've converted each of their red zone possessions into a touchdown. And then if you look at total net yards, the uh, Broncos ended up with 405 and the Falcons 363. Rushing yards, the Broncos barely got over 100, and it's because Drew Locke picked up a good chunk of that with his scrambling. Passing yards, the Broncos ended up with 302. Locke got over 300 yards passing today, ended up with three touchdowns, two off his arm, one off his legs. Meanwhile, Falcons, uh, 271. So one last thing. You look over here on – let me see. Let me find it here. On fumbles lost, the Broncos, two, right? Falcons, zero. And then the Falcons had one interception. The Broncos had one interception. So it's also – you know, it's also a a give-take. Whichever team gives the ball away more ends up losing – you know, I don't know. I can't say nine times out of ten, but more often than not. It's just a matter of the fact that uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons did, did more and made more plays than the Broncos offense did. you got to tip your hat sometimes. And the other players get paid too, and Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. But the Broncos offense, going by the numbers, and I'm not a box score stout, a scout, I hate to be hypocritical, but it wasn't the worst game. This wasn't a disastrous game by Drew Locke. He put a lot of good on tape as well, but unfortunately, because they lost, you're focused on quarters one through three and not quarter four. Eddie says Gordon killed it with the screens and and backfield receiving in general for the Chargers, but he's yet to be used in Denver. I don't know about that, but here's what I will say, Eddie. I'll meet you part of the way there that the Broncos can't figure out how to get a screen game going. Like their screen game has to be the worst in the NFL, and it shouldn't be. You've got a strong arm quarterback that can deliver that. And I'm not just talking screens out of the you know dump off screens. You know where where the offensive line. Uh, goes forward and then the the, the running back kind of leaks out and it's a little screen like that where the I'm talking about actual bubbles and different things you can do to get the ball to the wide receivers with a little bit of a you know blocking uh, force in front of them. You're not seeing anything like that from Pat Shermer. And again, we wonder what 
is going on there. Wait, what's a screen? I don't know what that term is, Shad. I'm not sure. I haven't seen one in so long. It feels like a year. And we all hated Scangarello because he called too many screens, and we're not seeing any from Pat Shermer. Not so much even Melvin Gordon. I know they paid him the money to catch the ball. But how about nothing, no screens, no no quick little hitters to KJ Hamler, no screens to Phillip Lindsay. Once again, these are elementary, fundamental football 101 glaring mistakes. And that's why any Pat Shermer advocate has no credibility with me whatsoever. Based case, jumping in. Appreciate you, my dog. He says, seeing what Kingsbury and Rule are doing makes me think yes, yes, yes. we looked into the college coaching well. We need creativity to make our offense click. I would like Lincoln Riley in 2022. I mean, there's, you know, I wouldn't say 31 other teams, but there's three quarters of the league that would probably love to get Lincoln Riley as their head coach. And, you know, if the Broncos end up turning the page on a macro level and John Elway leaves after 2021 that would also mean Vic Fangio's gone maybe it's a different quarterback as well different offensive coordinator all that maybe that's a reset where you could really make a push for a Lincoln Riley but I don't see that happening anytime in the next two yeah it's not going to happen in 2021 so to base cases point here 2022 but it would take a, a series of macro events happening for that to become even possible and probably most likely uh, John Elway's ouster because Lincoln Riley would want uh, personnel control. And we all know Elway's not giving that up. And I, I like Matt Rule. Like I complimented him and I lauded him and correctly so, but uh, those college coaches are such a gamble. And getting the next McVay, getting the next Shanahan, the next Rule, it's such a gamble because for every McVay, there's 10 Vance Josephs. And I just yeah. think the Broncos are a little tentative going the, the rookie head coach route. But regardless, Chad, if Fangio is gone after next season, it has to be an offensive mind. No more defensive head coaches. Will you grab this super from our friend Mark Langley, who I love? We all love Mark Langley. Um, I'm grabbing something. We missed a Kenneth Booker super. I'm going to pull it real quick. Yeah, Mark jumping in, 499. Thank you so much, Mark. Happy to see you. He goes, what's up, my guy? Still need time to grow. Yeah, I mean, Chad, that's the consensus uh, coming out of this game. And I like that Broncos country isn't so reactionary like they were after the Kansas City game. They see it's a developmental year. Locks a very young quarterback. The defense is going through some injuries. They're learning about themselves as well. This is a very young team finding itself. They don't know how to win just yet, though. They're learning how to win. They're learning as they go along. Doesn't excuse them, but I think it helps explain them. My big takeaways as we sign off here, we're way over. So this is it. We'll grab this one. And this kind of ties in. Thanks, Mark. And Kenneth here, his super chat. Appreciate you, my dog. He says, uh, having drive-through <laughs> workers playing corner didn't help. And I agree. But here are my takeaways from this game. Pat Shermer, um, if I'm Vic Fangio, the gloves got to come off. I have to start being a lot more of a micromanager there. Even if it's above my pay grade in terms of understanding offense, I have expectations. Yeah, I need my my offensive line to be more productive. I need my running game to be more productive. And even though we stepped forward on third down and and um, in the red zone, it didn't come until the fourth quarter. So I whatever it takes, I have to start exerting pressure and influence on that on in a more direct way. If I'm Vic Fangio, and the same goes for special teams with Tom McMahon. Too many snafus. It's it's week in and week out. There's a leak that 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 opens up on the special team side. But in terms of moving forward, in terms of you know outlook and perspective half of the season is now in the books and Zach this has probably been the longest first half of a season I've ever covered (laughs) and it's not because it's been all bad it's just because all the different you know the injuries including to the quarterback Drew Locke missed you know a month of real time it only ended up costing him I think two and a half games but still all the injuries plus 
the pandemic and how that's changed the schedule and how that's affected things as well. This has been the longest first half of a season I've ever covered. Moving forward, the Broncos still have a chance to force their way into that seventh playoff spot in the AFC. But I think if this game taught us anything, it's that we just you just can't count on that. This is a right. team that you don't know what you're going to get on a week-in, a week-out basis. You just don't know. And so at this stage, it's the message, just like Mark said, this is a team still that's young and still learning and figuring itself out. And so as fans, just kick back. Don't get your hopes up like way too high, only to have them come crashing down. Just enjoy and say, look, it's like when you were watching the 06, 07, I'll say the 07, 08 Broncos. All right. You knew it was a young quarterback. You knew they were starting over on offense. It was young. And if they ended up winning, great. But you were just kicked back and enjoying the ride, having a great time seeing yeah. young guys like Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal and all these guys, Tony Scheffler, come to the surface. That's kind of the mindset you need to have right now. And I know it's not easy to take that considering the four previous four seasons of not moving the needle at all. But that, unless you want to drive yourself crazy, enjoy it while you've got it. I also think it feels long because the Broncos kind of lost their bye week. So we we're just going straight through Chad. It seemed like, you know, we just, they haven't had to break it because they haven't. Um, in terms of the season, it's a long grind, but I think what today taught me, and I hate to say this, but it's also what I thought a couple weeks ago, the Broncos just, at least their offense is just not there yet. They're just not, I think, among the contending teams just yet. They're getting there. They're not the Jets. They're not the Giants, but they're not the Chiefs either. They're, they're somewhere right in the middle, if not right below the middle. But they're they're finding themselves. They're growing into each other. And playoffs or not, watching Drew Locke uh, play well, watching the defense ball out, watching the young players like the receivers, the Noah fans, the Albert O's ball out, that's what this season is for going forward. It's to determine who's worth keeping around, who is part of the nucleus, and who's worth getting rid of. And if they can answer those three questions, this season will have been a success. Muhammad jumping in just as we're dipping out. Thank you, Muhammad. He says, Drew is our quarterback, but the OC needs to go. Hashtag CEO, hashtag dragon, hashtag please. Appreciate that, Muhammad. We'll see. Time will tell. But we do have to dip on out of here for now. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to uh, get 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com. Get that lawnmower 3.0. It's got the light. It's got the the safe trimmer. The, Look at that. The bomb, dude. It's trust on this huddle. And it's a great gift. Again, if for the ladies of Broncos country looking for a good idea for their teenage son or their kid that's at college or their husband, this is a good option for you. Jump on that 20% off with code HUDDLE. And, uh, of course, as well, don't forget your $1,000 uh, uh, risk-free week of playing with sportsbetting.com. Go check that out when you get some time as well. And then last thing, guys, follow the pod on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. And how can I say Yeah, sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's how you capitalize on that risk-free week of sports betting. Follow the pod on Twitter at huddle uh, at huddle up pod. Also at mile high huddle. My partner Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad N. Jensen, and then also our producer John Cronenberg, who does Yelman's work in the stream in the community, doing what he does. You you know him, you love him. Follow him on Twitter at John K M H H. And gang, we're out of here for tonight, but we'll be back in the saddle tomorrow for the aftermath episode Monday night. We'll sift through the the. The, the aftermath, pick up the pieces, figure out what some of the post-game rhetoric, post-game remarks were coming from Vic Fangio and Drew Locke, and we'll figure out where to go from here with, what is it? I want to say it's the Dolphins off the top of my head. Isn't it the Dolphins next? I think so. Um, either way, guys, Zach, have a great uh, start to your week, my friend, and uh, we'll check in tomorrow night.
we will hold down the fort tomorrow night and also keep it. We get another chance to watch the game too. The highlights, the all 22 in a couple days. We'll know more about the Broncos, how they played today, but just guys, again, it's going to be the process. It's going to be up and down the roller coaster. Like Chad said, enjoy football for while it's around. Enjoy watching the good players on this team and rest assured there will be changes and we'll be getting rid of the bad coaches and players that will be coming very soon. By the way, it's the Raiders next week, not the Dolphins. My bad. Mile high salute to our super chat superstars, to our Facebook supporters, and those of you on Facebook that are giving us stars. It all adds up. It all goes such a long way and is just as important to us, if not more, than landing a sponsor on this podcast. So you guys seriously help to keep the lights on here at Mile High Huddle, especially on YouTube, especially on Facebook. So shout out to you for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.